We've been speaking the last few weeks about the Holy Spirit and the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And today, it is to be plugged in. I've been thinking of the illustration of your house that has, um, that's not connected to electricity. What happens when our homes are not collected, connected to electricity? Nothing works. Lights don't work. The um, appliances don't work. The heating system doesn't work. So we're just disconnected. And so the challenge then for our life is how do we be connected? How are we to be connected with the Holy Spirit? How are we to be connected with God? And sometimes, um, I think of it whenever we pray, sometimes I think the feeling is that, you know, it's like it's not working. <laughs> you know? I know I don't need a hair dryer, but, uh, <laughs> but uh, you know, my hair dryer doesn't work. What's wrong with my hair dryer? The switch is on, uh, the, it's high, low, high, off, it just makes no difference. And in our lives, I think sometimes we're like this. Well, why isn't God doing this? See, there's a difference between praying and complaining. <laughs> Anybody know what a complainer is? Yeah, but they're just like, this isn't working, God. This isn't working. You know, I give my prayers and nothing changes. And I'm doing everything that I'm supposed to. I put money in the BGMC thing. <laughs> and it's just not there. And, and we wonder why our prayers aren't being answered or why we feel so distant, perhaps, in our experience that we're going through the motions, we got everything, and it all works, it all should work, but it just doesn't seem to do what it's supposed to. Well, in our life, we need to think of the scriptures that pertain to the need, pertain to what's going on in our life. Now, if we're studying for a test, the <laughs> Bible says that he would, God would bring back to our remembrance those things that we have faithfully studied. <laughs> it doesn't say that go to, your go to your test without studying and I'll give you the answers. <laughs> you know? No, if we have faithfully studied that we are asking God. So whenever we are studying and we are asking God to help us, what we are doing is connecting ourselves to the source, and then we're actually asking God to help us. Now, I'm seeing if this will work. Oh, makes a difference, huh? <laughs> it makes a difference. When you plug it in, it works. And whenever we are, whenever we're praying, we are, we are reminding ourselves and we're reminding God that this is his word and we're asking him, we're asking his word to be a part of what we are doing. That you, God promised that he would be with us in our travels. That may you're going in and you're coming out from this day forth and forevermore. So that God would be with us. So we are praying that God would be with us and help us as we travel. We're praying that God would help us in our workplace. We're praying that God would help us um, in our finances. We're praying that God would help us make our decisions. We pray that God would help us in deciding what we should do with our life and what we should say and what we should, you know, what, what, how are you going to open the doors for me this time? But 
change that around and say, God, I thank you that you are opening doors for me. Not complaining, well, you know, God, I've done this a thousand times and it's not working. (laughs) But God, what is it that you want me to say today? What is it that you want me to do this time? What is it that's different? See, whenever I fall into a habit of thinking, well, it's all just up to me, and it's all just part of who I am, (laughs) you know, it's not about me. It's about God. It's about connecting to our source. And as Christians, as believers, we cannot be Christians without connecting to Christ. Without Christ, we cannot, we don't have the strength. We don't have the endurance. We don't have the abilities. And we know that whenever we meet Christ, things work. (laughs) There goes my sermon. I'm done. (laughs) Got blown off the platform. But I wasn't planning on doing that one. But uh, (laughs) we find that God has a way of changing things around. Even with our own illustrations, he has a way of changing things around. So what we have to do is we have to go with the flow. Sometimes we have to pick up the mess. <laughs> I didn't see anybody running up here to help me. It's just <laughs> God didn't lead you to do that, huh? All right. Well, it's a good thing it's only a short sermon today because usually I have about 10 or 12 pages, you know, so I could really be in a mess. But the story that I subject portion of scripture that I was thinking of was when Paul two things two things of two areas of Paul's life one is whenever he's on the road to Damascus now we have to understand that Paul is a very zealous individual Paul is a hard-nosed hardcore walk the line individual that was willing to kill for his beliefs, and willing to make you suffer for doing something wrong. And he didn't mind telling you that, and he didn't mind executing what he believed to be correct. So this Saul of Tarsus was an individual that carried his authority to an extreme, that he had the authority to destroy these heretics called Christians, and he was going to do it no matter what it took. And he was not only going to destroy them in Jerusalem, he was going to go to different places and take the authority of the uh, religious leaders with him, and he was going to imprison, he was going to disrupt, he was going to kill anyone who was involved in this heretic, this heretical faith that was coming against Judaism. And it happened to be Christians. So, Saul of Tarsus is on the road to Damascus. And while he's traveling, he encounters a great light. Knocks him to the ground. Now, whether he was riding a horse or walking, we don't really know. Uh, one, I, one, one time I spoke about this, and Saul was knocked off his horse and landed on the ground, and somebody comes to me and says, where does it say he was knocked off his horse? I don't know. He was knocked to the ground. 
So I've learned not to say he was knocked off his horse, but I can't imagine him walking, a man in his position. He would not be walking on this dusty trail. Probably he would be riding. So, But either way, he ends up on the ground. Now, if you are stubborn, do anybody know people who are really, really, really stubborn? <laughs> I see those hands. <laughs> I see those hands. You know, do you know people who are really, really, really stubborn? <laughs> Sometimes that's good. <laughs> and you know, Rod, it is. Sometimes it is good. But sometimes, my brother, my one brother, uh, he, was, he died when he was 42, but uh, it's okay to talk about the dead because he's in heaven and he don't care anymore. So <laughs> my, brother, my brother Gary was a very strong-willed individual, and he was not going to do anything that he didn't think he should do. And my dad, growing up on the farm, was very directive, and there were chores to be done, and they were to be done in a timely manner, and my brother would decide that they didn't need to be done and nor in a timely manner. <laughs> so there was conflicts between my brother and my father. And um, the, it reminds me kind of what the Apostle Paul, he is just straight line, narrow vision, the whole works, that this is what it has to be. These people, these Christians are heretics, they are people that are disrupting the truth of our religion. So he sets out to destroy them, sets out to kill them. He is creating chaos in Jerusalem. Absolute chaos among the church. And, and you know, people are being torn, families are being torn apart, imprisoned, the whole works, and, you know, Saul of Tarsus is in his glory. But what happens to Saul is, while he's walking down the road, this light appears to him, and he hears the voice. Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? It's like, what? Why are you persecuting me? And Jesus comes to Saul on this road and just, boom, <laughs> hits him right between the eyes. <laughs> no, he doesn't. Uh, <clears throat> the bright light hits him. He's frightened. He hits the ground, and he's terrified. Here he is doing something for God in his mind, and God shows up and says, Saul, this isn't right. What you're doing is not correct. Why are you kicking against the goads? You know, the, the goads were um, kind of a bar, a piece of wood behind the animal, and off, off of this piece of wood, there would be sharp sticks out, sticking out. And then when the animal would kick, it would kick against these sharp things and hurt itself. And the reason for that is, if you are walking behind this animal, and it decides to kick you. <laughs> Anybody ever been kicked by an animal? <laughs> None of you have had the privilege of being kicked by a cow? My goodness. Oh, okay, we got a couple. All right, thank you. Finally reached it. You know, if you get kicked by one of these animals, they can, they can break your leg. They can, they can do some damage. 
So we we had we had cows. We even called kicker. You know, <laughs> you know, don't go don't go near her. She's a kicker. And we had bars in our milking parlor that they, the cows were up on a platform and their feet were about chest high. And there was a bar across there. And the bar was above their knee. But you know, some of those cows learned how to get their foot above that bar. And when they cleared that bar, it was eye level. <laughs> so you had to be on your guard and you wanted to be in front of the hoof not behind the hoof, because if they hit you, they'd break your neck. So Paul is tell, God is telling Paul, you're, you're kicking against the goad. You're kicking against this bar behind the animal that would hurt the animal so that it would eventually learn to stop kicking. That's what it was. So there were people, there was this bar, this wooden uh, plank, two by four as it were, across the back of their cart, behind the animal in the front of their cart, and when the animal would kick, it would kick this board, this two-by-four with these sharp spikes in and hurt itself, and eventually it would stop kicking, hopefully. Well, Paul is being compared to his, his belligerent and his forcefulness and his desire to kill and to persecute and stop the church was his kicking against what God wanted him to do. Paul wanted to serve God, Saul of Tarsus, wanted to serve God. And he was serving God by destroying others. <laughs> you see, serving God does not involve destroying others. Serving God has, has to do with if it's lovely, if it's pure, if it's of a good report, think on these things. So God wants to have us connected, have us connected to our relationship with him so that when we are connected to others, it has a way of building them up. It has a way of encouraging. It has a way of helping and uplifting. You see, God didn't call us to be kickers. <laughs> God didn't call us to be destroyers. He called us to be filled with his spirit, and being filled with his spirit will enable us to become the person that he called us to be inside, the one he created us to be. Everything inside of us desires life. Everything inside of you desires life and desires fulfillment, desires to be one with God, to walk with God, and to have pleasures and to have joys and to be successful there, there's nothing inside of us that says you're a born loser <laughs> that's 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 not god god doesn't tell us you know what david i think you're really going to fail this test <laughs> i i think you're not going to make it this time god never says that God, God never says that. He says for us that we can become. And he, he doesn't have this, uh, there was a story of uh, a guy, I, think, uh, I don't know if he was a minister or whatever, he was going by this tattoo shop, okay? And it said on uh, one of the decals or whatever they could have tattooed on their body was born loser. And the guy went in and asked the tattoo person he says did anybody ever get this on the, you know this tattoo born loser he says oh yeah 
And it was a foreign individual. I don't know if he was Vietnamese or whatever, but he said it's, it was first, first tattooed in their mind, then on their body. <laughs> so being, having that decal or that impression or that tattoo that says born loser is one that we have in our mind and in our heart before it's ever put on the body. And what do, you th- what do you think God, if we were following God, what do you think God would have us? What would you think God would want the impression to be upon our hearts, on our lives? What would God want tattooed, as it were, on our body? What do you think? Pardon? Saved by grace, grace and mercy. What else? What else would God want us to have tattooed on our body? I don't want us to have tattoos, you know. It's a, it's a, it's a new thing for whenever I was growing up, only the, the army, people in the army had it done, and then the, the really bad people had tattoos, you know. And uh, now there's lots of preachers. Show me your ink. You know, it's okay. Uh, here it is. It's my pen, you know. <laughs> and it's, you know. <laughs> this is my pen. That's where my ink is. <laughs> but, um, but God would want tattooed love, <laughs> peace, success. Then in all your ways acknowledge him and he shall direct your path. I have direction. I have peace. I, have, I am successful. God didn't create us to fail. He created us to succeed. He created us to have Happiness, and not on happiness depends on happenings. Joy is that which resides in the heart. And so God wants the joy of his spirit to be in our hearts and our lives to help us take our next step, to enable us to become closer with him and with each other. Being plugged in. It's on a slow cycle. <laughs> Ah, we're really cooking. If I run this too much, I'll blow a fuse. But, <laughs> but we know that we have a purpose, we have a plan. And so Saul is knocked on the ground, and he is there, and, and Jesus comes to him. You know, I wonder, well, Jesus said it to him. It's so hard for you to kick against the pricks. It's like Saul is fighting He's fighting the Christians because somewhere down, perhaps somewhere down deep in his heart, he realizes this might be true. But everything that he's learned, everything that he knows, he's a Pharisee, the Pharisee. I mean, he is the elite of the elite. He is a genius of genius. I mean, he is a brilliant man. He is the, the, the best teacher in the entire nation has been his teacher. So he is the elite of the elite. He's a genius, he's very, and he's very religious, and he keeps the law meticulously. <laughs> I mean, to the, to the nth degree, he is a straight-line, law-abiding, commandment-abiding person. And here comes these people <laughs> in Jesus, talking about Jesus and him being resurrected from the dead, and Paul just can't, his Saul of Tarsus, he can't handle that. What is it that, what is it that we kick against in our own lives? Now, I don't mean fighting sin and fighting that. I'm talking about in our spiritual line, in our spiritual life. What is it that God wants to do in our life? Where is it that God wants to take us? 
Where is it that God wants to lead us? Inside, God isn't finished with us. God isn't finished. He's, he's got a plan, purpose, whatever. He's, God, God has a way that he wants to speak to us and open up, open up doors and avenues of, of blessings and avenues of, of how that he is going to deposit into us so that we can deposit into others. What is it that God is, what is it that we kick against? What is it that we fight against that's in our spirit? That's in our spiritual person. Now, we're, again, we're not talking about sinful things. Well, you can't do this, you can't do that. Not talking about that. We're talking about what does God want to say to our hearts? What does God want to do in our minds and our spirit? What is it that he is knocking at the heart's door, you know? What is it that he wants to do? And see, in every person, the unfolding of God's will, the unfolding of the revelation of who God is and what he wants to do for us, maybe it's just to help us know that God is a God who loves and that he wants to do something special for you, just to you, for you. I heard this story, I've, you know, heard it a thousand times. Maybe used the illustration a thousand times. But it's soon going to be spring. <laughs> and um, for me, in uh, growing up on a farm, it was always my favorite time of the year because I got to plow the fields. <laughs> and that you could smell dirt. You know, the dirt, the fresh... Is that, that, if, of all the things I miss about the farm... It's that one thing of just that being able to smell the dirt. I know you can go stick your nose in the ground smell the dirt. It's not the same. <laughs> it's not the same as turning soil over and how that it smells at that first time. And, but we would plant corn. We planted anywhere from 100 to 200 acres, 150 acres of corn. Now, that's in today's world, that's my brother's in-laws, uh, they plant 1,000, and the neighbor plants almost 2,000 acres of corn, so 150 is nothing in today's market of fields. But when you, put the when you put the corn in the ground, when you plant your garden, and you plant your seeds, what do we do? We just expect. You know, we expect them to grow. You know, we plant 100 acres of corn, What's the expectation? It's going to grow. Well, yeah, we put the corn in, put the fertilizer. You know that whenever you put those corn planters, okay, do this one for you. Corn planter, you have this uh, kind of like a, a knife that goes through the ground, puts the seed, one kernel of seed, these spinners go around, put one piece of seed in there, and then right beside it, it deposits fertilizer about two inches, about two inches to the side and maybe two inches beneath it so that when the corn starts to grow, that the roots will immediately hit the fertilizer. And when it hits the fertilizer, it gives it that kick to grow. All right. Do you sit there and wait? Do you sit there and say, well, you know, I wonder if that's going to grow. You know, so we dig it up and look at it. Oh, it didn't grow yet. Stick it back in. <laughs> 
You know, we don't do that. We just expect it to grow. Why? Because it's corn. It's a seed. You put it in the ground, it grows. You put flowers in the ground. You put seeds in the ground, they grow. what, What happens? There is an expectation. That same expectation should be in, is in our faith. That God is going to do something in our life that we can't make happen, we can't worry about, and we can't do... God just says, is it plugged in or isn't it? (laughs) Is it plugged in or isn't it? You see, in our faith, it's always plugged in. It's always on the expectation mode. (laughs) Every time I plant a seed, there's an expectation. It's going to grow. Every time, so with every prayer I pray, (laughs) there's an expectation that something's going to happen. With every need that I face, there's an expectation that it's going to be met. And the expectation comes through the relationship. Now, when they took Saul of Tarsus to town, (laughs) to Damascus, they, they didn't know what to do with him. They just took him, and he's blind. And so sometimes when God wants to do a new thing in our life, <laughs> he kind of gets our attention. Do you ever heard the story about the mule? This guy had, this old farmer had a mule, and uh, he couldn't get it to do anything. And so he was at the gathering hole, wherever, with these other farmers, and then saying, well, you know, all you got to do is talk to him. He'll do anything you want. And the guy says, not my mule. <laughs> he says, my mule, you can't get it to do anything. He says, oh, no, all you got to do is talk to it. He bet him $100. You can't talk to my mule and get him to do what you want. So, yes, I can. So they go outside, and uh, he picks up this big old club, reaches over, and bangs the mule on the head, knocks him to the ground. And the guy says, I thought you were only going to talk to him. He says, well, I got to get his attention first. (laughs) Saul got knocked to the ground. He was blind. And you see, sometimes things happen in our life and they get our attention. And we, we have the best of intentions. But God wants to perhaps change our direction. So maybe God wants to take us in a different way, bestow a different blessing in our life, something that we've never experienced before. And suddenly we find like we're knocked to the ground and we've got, we've, we, we know that we love God and we know that we believe in him and we know that he has a plan for us and we know that he wants to do a new thing. So they take, they take Paul to town and he just sits there. He doesn't know what to do. Heard a voice? You're kicking against me. 
And so <laughs> there's, this, there's this other guy. Who's the other guy? Paul goes to town, and God speaks to, I forgot his name. Ananias. There we go. Me and names. <laughs> you never, I never, <laughs> well, anyhow, it's Ananias. I wrote it down because I knew it, I had this idea that I would forget. So God always tells me, David, write it down. All right. So Ananias is praying, and God says to Ananias, go and pray for Saul, your brother Saul. Ananias says, I ain't going. <laughs> you know, get somebody else to do this. And sometimes in our life, God wants us to do something for someone that we would never do for him in a, in a million years. We won't, we're not, you know, not going to do that. Uh, you can't pay me to go do this. Well, God has Ananias go and pray for Saul. Saul, his blindness goes away, and he opens his heart to Christ and receives the greatest revelation of his life. The very thing he was kicking against is the very thing, the very person that would change his life. So, here we are. <laughs> are we kicking against something? What is it that we're kicking against? And what is it that God wants to do in a new way? How is it that God wants to reveal something perhaps entirely different? I don't know. That's what's in your spirit. That's what's in your heart. That's what God is saying inside of us. That he is capable of doing anything and everything. He is able to open the, the sea and go through on dry ground. He's able to have manna come from heaven and feed us every morning. He is able to heal the sick the blind, give sight to the blind. He's able to feed the 5,000. He's able to walk on water. He's able to calm the storms. He's able to give peace in the midst of the, uh, the, midst of the storm. He's able to take us when we're running away from him. He's able to take us and we throw ourselves overboard. He's able to have a fish come and swallow us up and take us back in the right direction. <laughs> He's able to do anything and everything. And in our lives, we are called to do one thing. Expect that when we pray, that we would have an answer. Be plugged in. That when we plant our seed, it will grow. Every time we pray, we must recognize and begin with connection to God. If we're studying for a test, choosing a direction, buying something, going somewhere. Whatever it is, we say, God, you've promised to direct our ways. God, you are the one who heals all of our diseases. God, you are the one who will bring back to my memory the things that I have faithfully studied. And we begin with an expectation <laughs> that we're connected. And in that connection, God will make the difference. Amen?